0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you. And as always, big shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles of Subtle Solution Media, helping this podcast be possible today. Oh, yeah, give a little golf clap. We have Brianna Morris on the Zoom call on the uh, podcast for us this this afternoon. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great. I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm doing excellent. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, I'm so glad we were able to connect and make this happen. I know we kind of pass each other in the gym here and there sometimes, like like passing ships in the wind, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. We have like a quick chat. I know that you're like moving on to your next, you know, set of whatever. I'm moving on to my next set of whatever somewhere else. And yeah, it is, it is always good to see you. I know that you're like ending your day mm-hmm. at the gym typically, right?
0: Yeah. That's kind yeah. of when I'm like signing off. I've already worked a full shift and, uh, kind of on my way home after that <laughs> That's
1: awesome that's awesome yeah and I I mean I know we you know chatted about this earlier but I'm kind of grateful that you brought me on because I know that most of your no rain no rainbow um episodes have been male dominant so I'm yeah. stoked to be a female on here to you know share a different perspective and maybe a fresh look at things and
0: yeah well shout out to you and shout out to all the lady listeners out there we're not forgetting about you, and Brianna is about to, to drop some bombs for us, but before we get into all that, why not introduce yourself and uh, let everyone know who, who you are and what it is you do.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm a transplant to the upstate from Southern California. Um, I was actually born in Southern California, and then my family moved to Idaho. I grew up on a 75-acre farm and then got recruited to play volleyball back at a D3 school. Um, in SoCal. So went there and then lived there until I decided to pack up all of my stuff and move all the way across the country and start a new life out here. Um, I have a license in marriage and family therapy in the state of California that I've held for 15 years now. So I've been in the mental health and therapy world for a very, very long time. Um, And I've been in the uh, online coaching space for about three years now. And I'm, you know, I'm completely loving it. I've really found my, my niche over the last couple of years. And Um, so I, I predominantly focus now on working with high level achievers and entrepreneurs and business owners who have the super successful career Mm -hmm. and they're thriving in their, in their job and and moving up the ladder, you you might say, but then in their personal life, whether it be in their relationships or their health or just their overall, um, you know, happiness and fulfillment is just like tanking and they don't understand why there's such a disconnect. But they know that there's something missing, um, and I, you know, work with them on creating a, a more balanced life between that success of their 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 professional life with the success of their personal life, so that they can actually enjoy the freedom that they've worked really hard to create, um, and not be held back by everything. So.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's one of the main reasons having you on the podcast. I think it's going to be so helpful for our listeners and, and so many people watching on YouTube, because uh, a lot of us, as we have that ambition part, we, we sometimes get trapped in it. And almost the, the qualities that make us so successful in our career, or so successful in business, actually works as a detriment in other areas of our lives. And we have a hard time balancing that myself included. So I'm excited for, for some of the, the value that you can help us with along the way throughout the episode. But I, I do know when, when you were in California before coming to, to the upstate, you did work your, your practice mainly focused on uh, at-risk children, correct? On
1: kids. Yeah. yeah. So, so when I, when I went into the short story of my like education background was I went into college with a psychology major. I'm going to be a therapist. I'm going I'm to be a school therapist is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Took psych one Oh one and almost failed. And I was like, screw this crap. I suck at psychology. I'm, I can't do this anymore. So, um, you know, that was just as a note, that was when nine 11 happened and I was playing volleyball and I was like, you know, I had zero friends and I had zero time to do anything. So I think I was just completely overwhelmed moving to a new state, new school, playing sports. So, anyways, I changed my major to liberal studies to teach. And when I graduated and went into the credential program, I was at the same time working as a re- at a residential treatment center for kids that were, um, you know, it was a level 14. So right before juvenile hall or the psych ward. And these kids were children between the age of 10 and 18 who were, You know, either wards of the state had been, um, you know, pulled out of the home because of neglect, abandonment, or abuse, Uh, were kids with like major anger, emotional issues. So they were being pulled from the home because they were being a danger to themselves and others. And I was loving working with these kids and at the same time hating the credential program because I just, I'm a rule follower when it comes to many things but when it comes to the way that I want to do things to help people I don't want to follow the rules because hmm. we we individually as humans like we we don't learn the same and we don't come from the same background so in my head it was like how can I teach Jane to learn the same way that that Bill learns because they come from different backgrounds and they come from different socioeconomic statuses and families. And they just, one is a visual learner. One is a tactile learner. Like there's no way. And so I was like, eh, I can't, I'm not, this isn't for me. And I went back and got my master's in psychology, which I loved and I did great at because, you know, I was in a different headspace. Um, and I opened up my private practice, um, three years after I graduated. And my focus was on um, families who had adopted kids from overseas. I had a attachment background. So I was working with a lot of children who had major trauma issues and attachment issues. And I was helping those families to not only address the trauma of the child that they adopted, but help really integrate that child into the family in a healthier way so that like the family was more cohesive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And it was funny because I always said, oh, I'm never going to work with adults. I don't I don't want to deal with any of that. Like, I'd rather just work with kids. You can play. You can draw. You know, everything's a lot lighter. Yeah. But the reality was, like, I was seeing these kids who were, like, suicidal, like, cutting themselves. They were, wow. you know, breaking things. They were doing, like, massive damage to the family. So it was just as heavy. Um, but I... I loved it. I loved it. I've still, like, I have three clients right now that I'm seeing again that I saw when they were 10, 11, and 12, and now they're like, you know, freshmen in college, seniors in high school. I'm like, they've
0: They've grown grown up. up." Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love something you said before about how, when it comes to helping people, you don't want to follow the rules. That reminds me of a, a quote I heard saying how, like, yeah, the system is easy, but people as as a whole are complicated. We're not all templates. We're not, we don't come out of a a set template the same way. So the apply us all to the same system almost sets us all up for failure.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and, you know, there's already so much rigidity in the world that, that like we're all, and I mean, I think I'm guilty of it at times too, trying to fit into all of these boxes to make Mm -hmm. sure that we look successful or feel successful. And those are the same things that hold us back from really being who we're supposed to be, you know? And so I, I, I just, as I was going through that program, it was like, I just, I already know that I don't check all the boxes. So If I go into a school and try to teach, they're going to be like, you're breaking this rule, you're breaking this rule. So I'd rather just do something where, you know, people come to me because they like the fact that I am an outside of the box thinker and that I do things differently and that I don't, you know, fit into the norm because, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a time, even in my, um, while I was in undergrad and I was working um, at the residential treatment center, I remember when I got my first tattoo it was like you have to cover that up because other kids might think this or that or this, and it's like, but it, it's a flower and a dragonfly. Like, yeah. what are you gonna think? It's nothing terrible, you know. And I and again, like that set in the motion for me. Like, I want people to come to me because I make them, or I guess the better word is I allow them to feel more comfortable being who they are, mm-hmm. and that that's the great starting place to learn. about themselves, you
0: know? Something you said before and about when you first studied psychology and going back to get your master's in it and being in a different headspace. It's interesting to see that parallel. Do you think your personal growth helped you have that outside thinking with psychology as a whole to kind of like be more of like, I don't want to say rebellious, but against a, Hey, I'm not going to be cookie cutter, going into this. So I'm not going to put cookie cutterness on other people. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think it's a twofold. Um, what I know about myself now is that I, um, in the past have been very good about making my life really hard and putting my own barriers up to like, you know, my road was never like this. It was like this to get to here. How so? Um, Yeah, so for the listeners that don't watch YouTube, I'm moving my hands back and forth, up and down, left and right, like I'm going on some windy road. But I think the other piece of that was that, you know, the trajectory of going to college and creating a career, I think there's this expectation that you have to have it all figured out. And what I realized along the way was I really didn't have it all figured out and it was okay for me to like switch from wanting to go into psychology to a teacher then doing nothing for just a little bit then going back once i figured it out and you know again going back to that rigidity like we are, we have been cultivated to be a part of this fast paced living and it wasn't until i slowed down and just really took my time to decide that it was like oh this is what fits me and it fits me because I like things to be different and I I like to work in ways that maybe other people don't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's funny because in a lot of my, my jobs as I was interning and stuff through my master's program, like there was so much micromanaging. There were so many, like you have to make sure you do this, but not this, or, you know, paperwork is a big deal, you know, worry about the clients, but the paperwork is important too. And it was like, I didn't go to school to do paperwork. Like I went to school to change lives. Like I went to school to give hope to kids that like never had it before. And I think that that was for me, like when things started to shift, going back into that master's program was like, I'm going to start a private practice because my job is to see people and help them change their lives, not do a bunch of paperwork, not like be told, that these are the things that are important. You know. Yeah. For me, I knew what was important deep down in my heart and what my passion and purpose were.
0: I, lo- I love that. And So I guess let me ask you this because I feel like there's, there's such a conflict that happens within us because we have two wants that conflict each other. We want to be unique and we want to be ourselves, but we also want to fit in and, and roll with the crowd. And those two don't always fit together how can we go about finding our fit?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I I think that like, and it's interesting because a lot of my clients, some of their more, um, my clients now, a lot of their core wounds come from this desire to be loved and accepted. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I know that feeling is very familiar to me. and, what, what I work on and what I've done for myself and what I know to be true is like there's a line between being accepted because you want to belong to something and being accepted because if you're not, then that means you're not enough or unlovable or unimportant or right, like there's a negative attachment to it. Yeah. And so I think if we can separate those things and know that being accepted is a part of our, I mean, it's a part of our human nature, right? Like as humans, we've been like for way back in the day, been a part of some pod. So to be accepted is important because we all play a role in our community in some way. But knowing that that role does not define who we are as the person at our core, Yes. It's a way to separate from being an individual and being accepted that I know who I am as me, Brianna, but that being accepted into my community is important because I play a role in that community in X, Y, and Z way.
0: Yeah. And for any of the folks that are listening that might think, well, you know, I don't have a community. How can they go about finding a community? Because
1: well, from yeah, where
0: they're not accepted.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, let me tell you, moving from South uh, Southern California to here was not an easy feat. Mm-hmm. South Carolina is a very hard place to fit into as a transplant. Yeah. And so the thing that I learned to do first off was like I started like friending the most random people on social media. Like, I'll, one of the girls that I first. Friended, she was a photographer because I thought, Oh, I'll, I want to get some perfection, professional pictures taken, it'll be fun. She denied my request as a friend because she thought that I was one of those like women that like seeks out like sex and all that stuff on.
0: Oh, really? I'm
1: talking about those like yeah. shady profiles. So she denied me, and then I friended her again because I was like, <laughs> What the heck? And maybe she didn't see it. And then she went through my profile and sent me a message and said, I am so sorry that I denied your friend request the first time I thought that you were one of those like bots that you know is trying to do something and she's one of my dearest friends now so one thing that I would tell anybody is like you've got to put yourself out there to be seen and and connect like it's the only way to truly start doing it and then honestly it's trial and error Mm -hmm. like I have friends that I created when I first got here that I don't really talk to anymore and that's not because of them or because of me, we've outgrown each other and we've gone different ways. And the friendships that I have now, like it literally took me three years and I've almost been here. I've been here for a little over three. It took me three years to build the friends that I have that I know are like true, real deep friendships. And I'm going to be 38 this year. So like it's, as you get older, it doesn't get any easier. You know, (laughs) This isn't like, but, make
0: friends. Yeah, I do hear that a lot. Um, And speaking of the the clients that you've seen while being here and and going through the whole growth, and um, I know there's there's a wealth of of knowledge that that you could share right now on the topic, but when you mentioned about helping high achievers or helping people go through that transition themselves, even just those tidbits of putting yourself out there in, in a new environment or finding a new community. A lot of it, I imagine you've learned through personal experience as well as through your studies. What would you say from, I guess, a general view that from all the clients you've seen and, and everyone you've been able to work with, what would you say is kind of one of the common denominator that holds a lot of people back from bridging that gap of their professional lives to personal lives or when something's slacking in their, in their life? What it has been missing?
1: Uh, fear, fear of failure or fear of success. They go either way. And both of those are always driven by a lack of self worth that most of us as high achievers never want to admit to. Yeah. You know, as a high achiever, like the way that we're seen in our professional life there is success there. We have proof, right? Like our business is running successfully. We're moving up in a, in the corporate ladder chain, you know, I'm getting clients all the time. So there's always some sort of, of, of proof around that. But what happens is, and I would never admit this, and you probably wouldn't either, but like, I would, Praise the world around how confident I was how much I believed I was worthy of all the great things But if you looked at the reflection of what I was doing in my daily life, it never matched Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: that's exactly what my clients go through is like there's all this success here But there's always an underlying fear of failure or fear of success that is driven by some sort of lack of self-worth that drives them to like choose terrible partners in their relationships, or be afraid to commit, or, you know, can't stop working, they have to pour into it all the time, or they're always saying yes to everyone when they really want to say no.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, they disregard their health, like there's such a long gamut of things, but it's always goes back to fear of failure, fear of success.
0: How do we face that fear?
1: You, you got to go deep. <laughs> not just jumping off the ledge, right? Like, we face the fear from 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 a backwards, um, you know, philosophy that I, you know, coach with my clients, which is that our mind directs our actions, Mm -hmm. but our belief directs our mind. So you have to go back to the current belief systems that you stand in to to reset the way that you think, to reset your actions. And it's interesting because a lot of my clients will say, well, I know that I'm dot 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 or I know that I'm I want to be successful or I know that I'm not a failure. And my response to them always is you can know your way into everything, but your belief is always going to believe what drive your belief is always going to be what drives your choice. Wow. Yeah. So there's a big difference between what you know and what you believe. It's it's the head and the heart. Yeah. It's a big difference.
0: And I think a lot of us don't take the time to listen to the heart. We listen to the head and the the head's loud. It's so loud.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And we keep ourselves busy. We keep ourselves so busy that we can't get quiet enough to even listen.
0: Yeah. I was going to mention, how do we listen to our heart? Does it take stopping and, and, and slowing down?
1: Yeah. So it takes consistent downtime. A lot of my clients are always like, well, I can't relax. I don't have the time to do it. Well, you do have the time. You're just choosing not to use it in that way. Mm -hmm. So it's always about sitting in that quiet space. That's why I said the mornings for me are so important because I do take a good, you know, sometimes I can only take five minutes, but it's typically between 15 and 20 where I just sit and I, whether it's through journaling or just deep breathing, sometimes it's a meditation, like there's no rules here, but we have to learn to be quiet in our own space so that we can get connected to our thoughts. I have so many of my clients that'll say like, Oh, I've never really journaled before. And now that I've started, like I can't stop. And the things that are coming out are kind of like, like I didn't even know that stuff existed. Yeah. So we're really good at thinking our way through and out of things without paying attention to where the thoughts are actually coming from and what they're related to or what they're connected to. Yeah. So that downtime is so important.
0: So you're talking to somebody who used to be all about work, 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 action, 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 push, 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 push. Um, mm-hmm. I've added the, the habit of meditating. Um, I've added the habit of starting to journal more, which I haven't done much long form journaling, which I hear that's where the best quality of your journaling can come from. I usually journal each night, just write my thoughts down. But
1: yeah, I call it brain dumping.
0: Yeah. Amazing. So I've gotten in those practices. But I wasn't always sold on it. And it almost took doing in order for me to believe it. But for someone that's stubborn, like myself, that's listening, and they've heard a million times they should meditate. They've heard a million times some of these practices that you just mentioned in order to listen to the heart, especially when you're talking to high achievers here. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned, hey, slow down. Sit yeah. just still for about 30 minutes and don't do anything. That's hard for them to comprehend. How, how can we bridge that gap?
1: Well, I would probably say something like, okay, well, so if your results were a person and they stood right in front of you, what would they say you need in order to get to what you're really wanting? Yeah. And if they said, well, you need to do more, which is what might, what might be a normal response, I'd say, okay, so you've already tried that. And how has that worked out for you? (laughs) Yeah. Because we've been trained, right? That like, if you do more, you'll get a better result. But I work with my clients to do less, and they actually get a better result. So mm-hmm. you don't actually have to do more to get more. You can do less and get more, if not more, more. Because just like you mentioned earlier, they're not spread so thin. They're not burnt out. They're not stressed out. They're not overwhelmed. So the way that they're able to not only complete their work, but then invest into their relationships and their health and their overall happiness, it doesn't have to come at a cost or a price anymore. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting. And the feedback that I get from my clients is like, Holy crap. Like I would have never thought that like sitting and just being okay with being still and doing nothing would actually allow me the time freedom to, you know, start looking at investing in a property or create a new business. Like my clients are doing all kinds of things that they never would have done if they hadn't have just stopped and realized how much their thoughts are, are the thing hindering them from getting what they really want out of life.
0: Yeah. And it's all about that counterintuitiveness of slowing down a little bit, listening to the heart more so than the mind and and then implementing what you hear. Yeah. Were some of I guess the personal rewards you've seen in your life once you started implementing some of those practices?
1: Um, Well, first and foremost, has been better boundaries in my relationships. That was my mo. Was I um, was seeking my enoughness and my validation and my acceptance in relationships, and when I wasn't getting it, I would do more to try and earn it, Mm -hmm. or I would seek out someone that would pour into me in the ways that I should have been able to do myself. So I've learned to create very healthy relationships and that part I'm like the most grateful for because I used to go crazy trying to like make something work and that's just not how it works. Yeah. Um, But besides that, it's been like an overall sense of like peace, like peace of mind and and like not obsessing or stressing over things. Like everything just comes lightly to me now. It never... feels like this, I, I don't know, other than to squeeze my hands together, like I just, it doesn't feel, pre- nothing feels pressured anymore. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, the biggest one for me that the feedback that I've gotten from people that have known me since me moving here in the beginning is like, I, they can see how happy I am. Like they see it in my energy and in my smile, and my like there's no more pretending my way through anything. Like they can just tell that I'm, I'm living in a space that like, I know I belong and I know what I want and I know what I want to do and all of it just comes naturally. So those have been the three biggest rewards for me. Nice. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned before you're working on a series or you're working on some content. Uh, Yeah. Um, I want to talk about some of the rainbows you're working on now um, and things you're excited for in the future.
1: Yeah. So, um, a few things that are already happening. Um, so I, you know, the great thing about being an entrepreneur and what I really encourage people who run their own business is to really create like tiers of income, you know, where you've got streams coming in from different ways where you're not always having to be investing all of your time into this one thing that then literally sucks you dry and, and, and burns you out. So, um, I I have a business partner that is a holistic nutritional coach and she and I created what's called restore and it's a program for women who want to lose weight and repair their relationship with food. Um, We have a membership program um, that is a monthly membership that some join. And then we have a eight week program that's more intensive that some will join. So those are our two programs that we work on together. And then I have my one-to-one clients that I work with. Um, I only take a certain amount. Um, they typically commit to work, work with me for, for three to six months. So that window stays very short for the amount of time that I I bring new one-on-one clients in. Mm Um, and Uh, with them, it's a, like I said, it's a 12 week kind of system that I've, I've created that I walk them through to get them to where they, they want to go. Um, most of them end up hiring me for another like three to six months, just as like accountability and follow up and stuff like that. And I'm working on, um, a new program. It's a mini mastermind that, uh, I just, it's needed based on the feedback that I'm getting from, clients and people wanting to work with me that just the timing hasn't been right and it's called breakthrough to you and it's a 6 week um online mastermind to help high level achievers and entrepreneurs uh break through the barriers that are holding them back from living in their true happiness and freedom so that they can enjoy the life that they've created so it's going to be you know weekly live trainings and um then there's going to be some one-on-one additions on the, on the side, but I'm, I'm super excited about it. So it, nice. it's kind of like a very squished condensed version of what I would do with a one-on-one client, but in a group setting.
0: Awesome. Well, that's really exciting. And I hope a lot of our, our listeners and some of the viewers want to take advantage of that when it comes out. Also, yeah. what's the best way they can reach you and follow some of the stuff that you're working on?
1: Yeah. So Instagram, my name is, you know, Brianna B-R-I-O-N-N-A underscore Morse, M-O-R-S-E. And on Facebook, it's the same. Um, and my website and everything is on there. So they can they can click the links to find out more information. But obviously, you know, if anything that I shared resonated or they want to challenge or they have questions about, like they can feel free to message me or email me at morse at gmail.com and I'll get back to them. Um, I love having conversations about this kind of stuff. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I, and something tells me we can, we can go on and on and on. I hated to cut it short because we're coming up on our time here. So we might have to maybe have like a two part series or something to go deeper on, on some specific topics too, because I know I mainly focused on kind of helping to bridge that gap with what high achievers might be experiencing in their lives. But uh, I do appreciate you taking the time today and I'm going to be sure to put those links in the show notes. Okay, so, thank uh, you Folks can kind of just pull it up If you're listening on the iTunes app Just open up the show notes You can hit that button And it will take you straight to those links But Brianna, I appreciate the time this, uh, this afternoon And whenever folks are listening to it I appreciate their time too
1: Yes, thank you
0: Thank you And like we always say at the end of the episode Everybody wants the sunshine But they don't want the rain But you can't get the pleasure without a little pain Let's yeah. go No Rain, No Rainbows podcast is recorded at Camaraderie, a collective workspace in Greenville, South Carolina, right off the Swamp Rabbit Trail. If you're looking for a place to grow your business, network with other professionals, and establish your own workspace, Camaraderie is the place to do so. Get access to high speed internet, private showers and towel service, free methodical coffee, and free beer on tap. For more details, be sure to head over to camaraderiecowork.com or hit the link in the show notes find out how you can lock in your space with Rage starting at just $99 a month. Be sure to tell them that Ted sent you and try it out for free. You never know, you just might find a new home at Camaraderie. Let's grow.